We are going to continue in the Gospel of Mark this week. This is week six. It feels like we just started in the Gospel of Mark, but we're in chapter four today, and we're going to read our text together right off the bat. So let's go into Mark 4 today. It's in your bulletin. It's also on the screen, so let's read along together here. It says this, that on that day, when the evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. This is Jesus. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with a great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And so... The Mark's passage here picks up after a long day of ministry uh, that we see in the entire chapter 4 in Mark. Earlier that day, Jesus had been beside a a, a large body of water called the Sea of Galilee. He, He had been teaching, and the crowd had grown so large that he got himself into a boat and moved himself off the shore a little bit so he could project his voice and talk to all the crowd that was present. He had been teaching in parables all day. All day long in a boat, teaching parables, he's exhausted, and he, he commands the disciples to set sail across the lake. It would have been far easier for him to do that than to go onto the shore and go through the crowds to where he wanted to go. But the boat also, as we have said, is a place where Jesus finds rest and restoration for dealing with these very noisy crowds. And we certainly see Jesus finding some sleep on this boat. And so he tells his disciples to hoist up the sail, to catch the evening breeze, and they begin to sail across the Sea of Galilee. Now, something to note about the Sea of Galilee, and I'm sure there are many scholars in here that know this, many intelligent people, but the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. It's some 700 feet below sea level. It is in a basin that's surrounded by mountains that exceed 2,000 feet. And so you have this low lake, these high mountains, and what happens is these cold air, these cold winds blow off the mountains, down the mountain slopes to the lake where they meet with the warm air from the Sea of Galilee, and turbulence is created. Disturbances happen, and out of nowhere, windstorms, violent storms create out of nowhere. And this is exactly what happens in this story. A thunderstorm, a megastorm, drops right on top of the disciples in their boats. Drops right onto them. And this is going to provide a context for these disciples to practice the very things that Jesus has just taught about in moments prior. Jesus had been teaching all day about faith. 
He had been talking about the different types of soils, the path, the rocky soil, the thorns, the good soil. He's, this is talking about faith, having faith. He's been talking about having faith like a lamp that cannot be hidden under a basket. He's talking about faith as the size of a mustard seed, that if we just have a faith this small, that that, that, that bush will become big and, and, and people will find rest, and weary people can find rest in that large brush. But he also indicates to his disciples this in that parable that this small ragtag group of individuals who are very few will become the greatest kingdom that this world will ever know. He's been teaching all of these things and this context of this storm is going to provide a test of all the things that Jesus has just talked about faith. This megastorm that we're going to see present here in Mark 4 is the prime condition for a test of faith. When Jesus tests us, he often tests us through the storms of life. And we know that this is a faith test because in verse 40, when Jesus is asked a question after he stills the water, he says, how is that you have no faith? Have you still no faith? And so this is a condition, one of two conditions that we see in the Gospel of Mark that is a faith test. The first condition is a seemingly impossible situation. A seemingly impossible situation. Jesus will put you in situations that are way beyond your natural ability to understand. Way beyond your skill set to navigate through. And sometimes we take the verse that we hear that says, Jesus will never, God will never give you more than you can handle. And we think... Oh, that's, he will never give me more than a handle. But that's not true. Listen, it's scripturally, it says that it's misapplied. My whole life is more than I can handle. <laughs> Your whole life is more than you can handle. The fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was raised again says to you that you can't handle this. No, in the context of that verse means that you and God together, we in sync, God and you working together, there is nothing that we cannot handle. He is going to give you things that are way beyond your physical abilities to go through. He's going to give you things in the emotional realm that are way beyond your possibility to go through. Why? Why is he going to try to create within you a trust of yourself? That's what it would create in you. If you could handle that whole situation by yourself, you would just trust yourself. God wants you to lean on him. He wants you to trust in him. He wants you to have faith in him. And so he puts us in situations that we cannot turn away from, just like we see in these disciples. And so this storm is going to provide a context to put into practice the things the disciples have just learned, but it also provides a context for them and us to recognize exactly who they're dealing with, with this man from Nazareth named Jesus. And so the first condition is a great storm, a mega storm. Jesus uses great storms to test our faith. And I want you to notice in verse 35 that it says, On that day when the evening had come, he said, Let us go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. Jesus is the one that actually puts him in the context of the storm. I want you to see that Jesus is the one that actually puts him in the context of the storm. They would have never been in that storm unless they were obeying Jesus. And so you've got the boat, and it's just not one boat with, with some disciples. It's a boat with Jesus, some disciples, and other boats. And they're in the water only because they obeyed Jesus. They followed Jesus' command, and because they obeyed Jesus, they're in the midst of a megastorm. 
well beyond their ability to handle, well beyond their capabilities to navigate through. And remember, this isn't me and just like my millennial friends in this boat. This is Peter and Andrew and John, fishermen by trade. This is the largest storm that they would have ever seen in their entire life. And their skills as sailor are inept to be able to handle this. They're way too far from shore to turn around. They're too far from their destination to make it. They're in the middle of a test of their faith. They're in the middle of a test of their faith. And so look, I, I want you to know this. This is so important for you, Christian, to understand. Just because you're a Christian does not make you exempt from megastorms. There are teachers who will use the Bible to talk about all the positive attributes of God and say that if you just get your morals right, then God's going to bless you. And the fact that you're walking through hard times is an indication that your faith isn't strong. That the Lord wants you to prosper in all areas and he wants you to give you health and wealth and power. And they say that while they flash their million dollar suits, and fancy jewelry, and talk about their fancy planes and houses. That's so corrupt. And so I want to tell you in my outfit sponsored by Costco <laughs> that my wife picked out for me that Christians are not exempt from the megastorm. In fact, if you find yourself in a megastorm, it's most likely because you're a Christian that you're there. That's the truth. Remember, Jesus is the one that said, go out on the middle of the lake. And storms arose. One minute everything was fine. And then, and isn't that true of our lives? That one minute everything is fine. And then we get the report from the doctor that our results came back positive for cancer. One moment everything is fine. And then we get a phone call from somebody that says, I'm so sorry, there was an accident. One moment everything was fine, and then you learn your company is downsizing. One moment everything is fine, and then you find a strange website on the web browser of your spouse. A garment that's not yours. A strange text from somebody that you don't know. One moment everything is fine, and then your teenager just loses his mind. One moment everything is fine, and then a megastorm. These are the kinds of things that Jesus puts us in the middle of. It's dark. The thunder is rolling. The lightning is flashing. The waves are beyond our head. All we know is, I don't think I'm going to make it. These are the issues of life. These are the megastorms that Christians go through. Being a Christian does not exempt you from a megastorm. Jesus puts his people in the midst of the megastorm to test our faith. And when you're in the megastorm, because you will be in storms, friends, you need to remember a few things. You need to remember that Jesus is directing your path. Jesus is the one who ordered your steps. He's the one that allowed you to walk into that storm. And you've got to remember that Jesus is the one that sent you that way. And when you find yourself in a megastorm, you have to trust Jesus with the megastorm. I want you to notice what Jesus responds what he says when he sends them out onto the, the shore. He, he says, let us go to the other side. He didn't say, hey, you guys go. 
And because I'm God, I'm just going to fly. <laughs> go over there. He didn't say, hey, you guys go. I'm just going to walk around the shore. He said, let us go. And so when you find yourself in the middle of a megastorm, you got to remember, friends, that Jesus is in the boat with you. He is in the boat with you. When I read this story, when I've read this story in the past, I, I get the picture of this boat, that, like this small sailboat in Nantucket. Like this comes to my brain and there's like this little hatch that you, you walk down the stairs and you get in there. And I think, I used to think like Jesus is in this private room downstairs, like don't bother me. Like I just had a bunch of teaching. I need my space here. That's not the kind of boat that we see in the first century on the Sea of Galilee. This is the kind of boat that would have been present. Jesus is not below deck. He's on the deck with them. And he's in the stern of the boat, the back of the boat, on a cushion. And when I read this, I think, Jesus is a pretty good sleeper. (laughs) Jesus is like a dad with seven kids, like just, I'm out, and you're going to have to force me awake here. But he's huddled with them in the boat. He's not away from them. He's huddled with them. And so no matter where you find yourselves in life, friends, no matter what kind of storm you're facing, no matter what kind of news that you've just got over the phone, recognize that number one, Jesus is directing your path. Number two, that he's in the boat with you. And number three, for those who trust in him by faith, he is never going to forsake you. He is going to keep you because he loves you. He promises that he will never forsake us. He will never reject us. You have to remember. And so the first condition of a faith test is a seemingly impossible situation. The second that we see present in Mark 4 of a faith test is a seemingly silent Jesus. A seemingly silent Jesus. He was all in the stern, asleep on a cushion, asleep, not ready to intervene with things. What do we do in our lives when the storm comes and Jesus doesn't seem to be doing anything? Right? We know that Jesus is a little different than he was in Mark 4. Jesus is divine. He he was fully God, fully man in Mark 4. He is resurrected. He is the divine Christ. He is with the Lord in heaven. He's together in the perfect triune Godhead. He never sleeps. But sometimes we experience him as if he were asleep. Sometimes we experience him as if he were asleep. So what do we do when we're praying and we hear nothing back from the Lord? What do we do when a megastorm hits and we're not expecting it and you're looking around and it seems like Jesus is silent in the boat with you? The answer is this. Jesus wants to know if you will trust him in his silence. Will you trust him when he's not talking? Can you trust him when he seems to be asleep in the boat? A megastorm on one hand, a silent savior on the other. And these are the perfect conditions of a test of our faith. It's easy, right, to trust Jesus in the good times. It's easy to trust in Jesus when we pray prayers that we think are already going to be answered for us. But it's hard to trust Jesus when he seems silent, when he's not doing the things that we think he ought to be doing, or he's not answering our prayers the way that we ought to, he ought to be answering them. And so notice what the disciples say here. Because this is a faith test, Uh, It provides a context to expose the disciples' weak faith. The megastorm combined with the silence of Jesus exposes the true condition of the hearts of these disciples. Look what verse 38 says. They said that they woke him up. And what did they say to them? Teacher, can you do something? Do you not care for the fact that we're perishing here? 
And I want you to notice that the disciples, they never challenged the power of God. Their concern is the love of God. They did not challenge the power of God. They challenged God's love for them. That's their concern. Are you going to keep letting this happen? Don't you love us? He just told them, look, you're going to be the greatest kingdom that's ever existed. But their thoughts are, are you going to protect us? Do you care enough about us? Do you care that the ship is going down? And when the storm is raging and God is silent, it is all too familiar for God's people to begin to doubt, not his power over all situations, but his love for us in all situations. That I'm down here, Lord, I'm trying to serve you. Do you not see what's going on in my life? Can you not see the storm, Lord? I'm trying to serve you. It's not perfect. I'm trying to walk with you. I'm following you. I'm doing what you obeyed me to do. Do you not see my affliction, Lord? And I want you to notice the question that Jesus asked them. In response, he says, why are you so afraid? Why why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Like this question is a deeply personal question question. Because the essence of this question is, how is it that you don't trust me by now? How is it that you don't trust me yet? That's what he's asking his disciples. And that's what Jesus is asking us. How is it that you don't trust me now? It's not a question of whether you have attained some impersonal faith in a deity. It's a question of how is it that you don't know me by now? You don't know what I'm capable of. I have revealed myself to you. I have been faithful to you. I have blessed you time and time again. How is it you don't trust me yet? Faith is knowing that Jesus cares whether you're perishing. Faith is not just trusting in the power of God over all situations. It's trusting in the love of God in every situation. You can trust God that he's all-powerful and still not have faith. Faith is about trusting that he loves you and he cares whether or not you're perishing. He cares whether or not your ship is going down. He cares about you and your affliction. He, that you can trust him even when he's silent. The brother of Jesus in his letter in James, James the brother of Jesus, writes these things. Chapter 1. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Jesus directs them into the storm for their own good, that their faith may become perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Jesus directs them into the storm, not despite his love. Jesus puts them in the storm because of his love. Because he loves us way too much to walk us, to watch us be weak in our faith. And so these are the two conditions of a faith test. A great storm, a seemingly impossible situation, and a seemingly silent Savior. And what happens from that test is, for our benefit here in Mark 4. It's for the disciples' benefit, if we're honest. The disciples' lack of faith is for our benefit. I'm glad that this is here because it reveals so much about Jesus. 
It reveals so much about his character and nature, but it also reveals a position that we see the disciples take that we also should have in our lives. What we see next in this story, after the great storm, in this event, there is a great calm that comes after it by Jesus. And look, I love the terminology in here. I love the terminology because the same word that describes the storm, Lilaps Magal, which means a megastorm, a huge storm, is the same verbiage that describes the calm. This is not just a tranquility. This is a great calm, as same size of the storm. This is a huge calm. Jesus literally stood up in the boat and said to the storm, shut up and sit down. He obeyed it. He just, they obeyed, obeyed him. The seas and the winds. And this wasn't just some coincidence. Jesus didn't stand up in the boat and say, Calm down. And he got lucky. Like, the storm's breaking, the wind's dying down. You can't strike this to, consequ- uh, to coincidence. You can't, because look, even if the storm's wind had died down, the kinetic energy all in the waves, they would have kept going. But what does this say? The winds and the seas obeyed them. Sit down. Shut up, storm. A huge calm comes over things. Do you know that the average thunderstorm contains the same power as a 20 kiloton nuclear warhead. And Jesus just made it sit down. And this wasn't just an average storm. This was a violent, mega, Lilops, Magal storm that he just told and pacified. This is no coincidence. This is an act of a powerful God. And instantly, instantly, the disciples knew. They knew that they were dealing with more than just some great teacher, more than just some great miracle worker. They were dealing with God himself. They were dealing with the creator himself in their boat. God himself was with them in their boat. And the only thing that is scarier than a megastorm outside of your boat is an all-powerful God inside your boat. Jesus wasn't a man anymore to them. Maybe they had been confused at that point, but he's not a man anymore. That's God on the boat. Listen to what the author of Hebrews writes about Jesus. I want you to understand the power that we have in Christ. This is what Hebrews 1 says. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. At the mention of his words, the whole universe is upheld. He upholds more than just storms. He upholds more than just storms. If you would go in your telescope and you would see the planets and Jupiter and Saturn, if you saw our solar system, understand this, he upholds all of that. But in this story, in this event, he shows just enough, flashes just enough of that power to make them drop to their knees to make them absolutely terrified. And they say, who then is this man? Who is this guy that even the winds and the waves obey him? And the word says that they were filled with a great fear. And ready for your mind to be blown? The same word that describes the great storm, that describes the great calm, 
describes the great fear. These men are more afraid than they've ever been in their entire life. More afraid than they've ever been in their entire lives. This was a great fear. And so I want you to notice something in this. And I think that this is, is the biggest point here. Jesus creates the calm to show his identity as the Son of God. Yes, but listen. Jesus doesn't merely do this so they would know that he would be God. He is God and be full of fear. If Jesus wanted to show them he was God, he would have just had the boat teleport and fly across the lake. He would have told a mountain to move and it'd chuck it somewhere else. Jesus never does anything haphazardly. There's always a purpose behind what Jesus is doing and how he is doing these things. He didn't do it just so they would know he was God. He did it so that they would know, listen, that he was God with them. That he was God with them. Because Jesus calms the storm in response to the question, do you even care? Do you even care that we're perishing? He wakes up and he rebukes the storm as an answer, yes, I do care. And I'm going to use my power to display to you not how powerful I am, but how much power I'm willing to use on your behalf. This isn't about them seeing God as God. This is about them seeing God with us. He demonstrates their power so they could trust him in the midst of the storm, that they would understand and see him as a good king that protects his people, that, that guides his people, that provides for his people in the midst of the storm. Jesus is showing his disciples not just the depth of his power, but listen, the depths of his love. He's a God for us. He is a God with us. And that is the gospel. We don't have a cosmic God that sits in the heavenly realms with his arms crossed looking down at us going, should have done better there. We don't have some cosmic kill joy God that's trying to stop all of your fun in your life. We have a God that is for us, that is with us. That is the gospel. That is what we need to hear every single day of our life. You have a God that's in the boat with you. Even if you think he's silent. And so we thank God for this gospel. And we thank him for Mark 4. And we thank him for the lack of faith in our disciples because it reveals to us so much about the nature and the power and the love of God for us. This is great for us to hear. That we would be reminded of the steadfast love of Christ. That no matter what storms come in your life, no matter how angry the seas are, no matter how loud the thunder rolling is, and no matter how, many, how bright the lightning is, no matter how high the seas are above your head, that you have a God that has a steadfast love for you, and he is in the boat with you always. We've got to remember the steadfast love of the Lord. We've got to remember that he is lifted up and he is reigning, guys. He is reigning for you. He is reigning for me. Jesus is on the throne. And he is still taking care of his people. He is still calming the storms. He is still quieting the megastorms in the middle of our lives. Let your faith understand that reality. You are his 
beloved. You are his beloved, whom he cares for. And you can trust him even when he's asleep in your experience, even when he seems silent in your life. And to end our time today, you know, I just want to speak a little bit to those of you who, who haven't put faith in Christ, who haven't trusted in the Lord, and maybe you're in the middle of the storm and you haven't placed your trust in Jesus Christ, that maybe you're in the storm of, of God's wrath. Because listen, our Lord, our Father is so perfect, He is so holy, He is so glorious, He cannot be in the presence of sin. And all disobedience has a punishment. Just like the story of Jonah, where, where Jonah disobeys the Lord, and where does he find himself? He finds himself in a sea of God's wrath. Listen, the Savior has come to calm that storm. He has come to deliver you from that storm. And so if you're in distress and you don't know where to turn, you don't know where to go, I would say to you, believe in the Son. He's the only one that can quiet the storm of God's wrath in your life because he's the only one that's dealt with it and can make you free and whole. And so wherever you're at, whatever you do, if you're looking around and saying, I can't, then maybe you understand your fragility. Maybe you understand that it's your fault that you're here. Maybe you understand that you're broken. Maybe it's time to call out to Jesus in the midst of the storm because he's the only one that quiets it. And so today, we just want to give you an opportunity if that's you, to come up here and, and pray or, or just sit in your seat and just think about those things. But, but we also want to give an opportunity for all of us in this room, and I know that there's storms in this room who are facing some very difficult times in your life. The winds and the waves are around you and you can't seem to find a way out for you to come and understand that Jesus is in the boat with you, that he's never forsaken you, and that he's the one that's directing your path. You can trust him with the storm. And so no matter where you're at today, we want to pray with you. Uh, and so we're going to take some time today just to worship, and then we're going to pray at the end of that. Uh, so let's join together.